What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the 5 Rounds Podcast. The only podcast out there with a cardio for those deep water championship rounds and we certainly needed that cardio today. Uh, I am Mags and with me as always, or well, not as always, but two weeks in a row, which is a <laughs> shock. Uh, my son Carlos. Carlos, how are you? Tired. Yeah, it's uh, been a long, long show this uh but it was an absolute banger. Uh, so we've just finished watching UFC 268 from MSG. Uh, we'll quickly go through these prelims and it was a hell of a lot of them. Uh, so we started with Ode Osborne getting the decision win against CJ Vergara in the flyweight. Then we got another decision, this time Melsic Bagdasarian uh, picking up the victory against Bruno Souza. Uh, third decision in a row, Dustin Jacobet. In the light heavyweight division against John Allen. Then we got uh, our first KO of the night, Chris Barnett, with a uh, basically a spinning heel kick and then backflip. Uh, KO against Gian Valente. Valente, who said uh, this was probably his last fight of his career and what a, what a sad way to go out for him, unfortunately. Uh, then uh, Ian Gary on the, the last of the early prelims getting the, the, the first round knockout against Jordan Williams in the welterweight division. So going into the, the normal prelims, the, the televised ones, we started with a, a cracking fight in the middleweight division. Nasruddin Imovov uh, taking on Edmund Chabez and um, Imovov getting the, the second round KO, but that was very, very back and forward. Uh, then we got uh, Chris Curtis picking up the first round knockout against Phil Hawes. Uh, another first round knockout in the in in the next one was Bobby Green against Ally Quinta, and then we finished the prelims with uh, KO. Uh, Twenty seconds into the second round, Alex Pereira knocking out Andreas Michalidis. Honestly, I'm not even shitting you. Like, I went break were on. I think I don't even know what I went. To. I think I might have gone to go like get a drink or something like that. Cause I was pottering about. I came back in. And then obviously that was the last that was the last show, and then the show started. I'm like, hey, what the fuck's going on? We've been here. They missed a fight or something. <laughs> and then it was only up until like it came back on, and then like it, it was showing the the gauge. He started to like show the gauge uh, promos and stuff, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? So I had to like literally rewind it back, go through adverts, and I'm like, have they missed a fight? Like, we're no, along. We're in that weird period where our clocks have gone back, uh, but uh, the clocks in in the states haven't yet. Uh, I think it's about two weeks before that happens. 
so I think next week's a, an early pre, an early fight anyway, but it's a couple of weeks before we get back to the three o'clock uh, <laughs> kickoffs for for UFC. But uh, this may well be the most stacked card we've seen in in a couple of years. Uh, when you're opening a card with uh, Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler, that's when you know your card is stacked. And this, before we even get into the fight, this is a fight that if you were a UFC fan and not so much an MMA fan, uh, you probably don't realise how much of a dream fight this is for so many, um, so many people. These guys were the top dogs in in their divisions in um, in PFL and, and Bellator, and it's it's interesting that this dream fight actually finally happened in the UFC, and probably when they are both at their absolute peaks. Oh my God, this fight was everything. It may be the best fight of the year for me. Uh, so damn good, so damn violent. Um, just Jesus Christ. Uh, both guys are known for wanting to just batter their opponents, uh, and they proved it in this in this fight. Uh, first round was, I think, um, I think Michael Chandler maybe have uh, had a, a poor kind of game plan because he unloaded everything in this first round. Every shot he was throwing was was designed to hurt. There was no kind of 50-50, uh, no kind of like point scoring punches. These were all knockout punches. And he got a lot of success. And there were a point in the first round where he had um, Justin Gaethje wobbled. Um, but the thing is, if you don't knock out Justin Gaethje, you, you, you need a shotgun in the second round because he's going to come back and he's going to try and hurt you. And that's that's really what happened. Uh, and I think the, the leg kicks really started to wear down on uh, Michael Chandler, really kind of um, tearing his leg up. And he didn't, he didn't really attempt to switch uh, too many times. But the guy's got um, a massive, massive heart. Uh, never say die attitude. Um, always kind of like trying to goad uh, Justin Gaethje into into attacking, but the thing is, Gaethje has hits like a truck, an absolute truck, and he was kind of reverting back to Gaethje of uh, his early days in UFC, where he just went forward. There was just no going back, um, and unfortunately for for Chandler, he he gassed. He he ran out of energy. His shots didn't have as much power. Um, even his, even his uh, corner was saying to him, you need to start fighting smart, not tough, uh, which was, it, it was the perfect way to explain how we, how we were fighting. A great fight. The, none of these two come out of this fight looking any worse, but Justin Gaethje put it on uh, Michael Chandler in, in the second, third round. Just absolutely banjoed him all over the, the octagon. Chandler was still hitting shots of his own, and and the fact it went third round, uh, went to the the judges is that's testament just to how hard these guys are, how much heart they've got. But what a great fight! Uh, Justin Gaethje picking up the the points, uh, the unanimous decision. Uh, one judge giving him all three rounds, which I think is a bit a bit lenient. I think Michael Chandler definitely took that first round. But Jesus Christ, I can't wait to rewatch this fight. It's going to be an absolute banger. Yeah, this is one of them fights that's going to go down that you, you're going to be able to watch highlights of it in 10 years' time mm. and still not be bored of it just because of how excited yeah. you were. <clears throat> now, give it when it got to the last like, minute or so, the last round, the, it, it was basically like a stalemate. It was basically just like a standstill of like, we know we can't do nothing here and give like give Chandler his, his credit. He 
he absorbed a hell of a lot of Gaethje's shots and they didn't, they didn't put him down, whereas we've saw what people have been like and acted like after they took Gaethje's shots, they, they don't react well. And you can see you were wearing it on his face and on the, especially on the leg. That's another thing. You don't go into somewhat a leg wall with, with Justin Gaetje. He has got the best leg kicks I have seen without doubt. Not only in the UFC but with, with the whole of mixed martial arts. I guarantee that he's got better leg kicks than Douglas Lima, who's absolutely fucking ruthless with his leg kicks. But yeah. I think Chandler soon realised after that first round. I think Edson Bob also had that one over word. Well, I don't all to be honest with him because remember Justin Gaethje did knock Edson Bob also clean out as well. So he's, he's, uh, that certainly happened. Yeah, so he's uh, he, he's one of them. You just thought you, you need to come prepared for the fight. Uh, Michael definitely he, he was prepared, but he just wasn't prepared enough to not only take the punishment but try and give it as. Uh, as well, and that's a hard thing to do against Gaethje, whereas he's just dropping bombs left, right and centre, even his jab hurts you, and you just think to yourself at some point, when do I take the back step, and Chandler soon shot in for a takedown, and I know a lot of people are going to start giving him shit, but at the end of the day, think logically, it's what you're going to do, if you've got Justin Gaethje trying to like knock your fucking head off, you're going to try it, well I'll tell you what, I know I've got a plaque at home saying I'm an all-American wrestler, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to use it, fuck it, I'm just going to fight Gaethje. So, no, you're going to try and take him down. Mm -hmm. you, you're definitely going to try and take him down, but Gaethje's wrestling, uh, takedown defence is absolutely... Is phenomenal. I, after a lot of people were like questioning it, of, oh, he's just a stand-up fighter, is he one of these who's like, everyone says he's got massive takedown defence, but hasn't. I think it goes to show after today that his takedown defence is pretty much all right. But then I did also see a thing where it was like, it were only one fight ago, or two fights ago, so where Khabib made this Justin Gaethje look like an absolute amateur. Mm -hmm. So I, mean, I, I think I don't think that's a, a bad thing on Gaethje. I think that just no, no, shows no. how above everybody else uh, Habib was. Well, well, that's it. He, he, he basically, this is what I, I mean. What I meant by that is with Gaethje having takedown defense. Yeah, Khabib could take it down with ease. Mm -hmm. So people would. That's where the obviously the rumors like started to come from where oh he, he clearly didn't have this good takedown defence and that lot but who has a who has a good takedown defence against Khabib? Exactly. So exactly. against uh, against Michael Chandler who's got an all American plaque on his wall for wrestling and he found it an hard time to take Gaethje down. That's a, a, a scary fight and the outcome of the fight is whoever won that, number one contender and I know Dana White didn't say physically but I've personal opinion I think it should be whether it the champion, depending on how the how the the. I mean, again, it, it's hard to. I understand your point, and just when you beat someone like Michael Chandler, that should automatically throw you in the mix. And I love me some Justin Gaethje, but Islam Makachev is a fucking animal. Yeah, well, he wants to go. Is he is he in lightweight or is he welterweight? The guy, he fought like the other like last week. In, in Lawi, I'm sure he's in welterweight though. No, he's he's Lawi. He's like Matthew being Dan Hooker. Everybody's been ducking him for like the last three years, <laughs> and he said, "Look, people want want to uh, keep getting these title shots and keep making good business, and I want to to take the title and I want to hold it for a long, long time." Uh, but yeah, but I could I could understand, but what 
He's only not long just broke into into the top ten. Not not through his own doing though. Through everybody has been absolutely terrified of fighting him. That's uh, I understand that, but then if you when you speak about the champion rank one to three, they're gonna fight him if they need to fight him to get to that spot. Whereas Gaethje's fought for the spot that he's at now, and he's by rights he's number one. He is ranked what two or rank one. Gaethje's was ranked one going into this fight. Um, Chandler was I think fifth. Uh, Makachev is like ranked three, I think. Oh, so then again, it's not too bad. Now, obviously, we're depending on how the the fight works out between Dustin and Oliveira, then he mm-hmm. could die or spectacularly could have a fucking double knockout or something. You never know, and then fucking <laughs> then running back. So, but yeah, depending on how that goes out. But yeah, whether it be um, that would be a, a a a classic fight with uh, Islam and Gaethje if he wasn't to get the title. Uh, match. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so after that, we go into what, sadly, is the piss break match of the of the main card, and that's that's bad to say because it was actually a really good match yeah. as well. Uh, all this card was absolutely stacked. So we had Shane Burgos taking on Billy Quarantino. Um, I feel for Billy in this fight. Um, I thought he. He was never given a real chance, especially with Shane Burgos being an elite-level boxer uh, and re- really decent on the ground. Um, not many people give Billy a, a fine chance in this, but one thing he's proved over his last uh, few fights in the UFC is he only needs to be in that octagon to, to, to create his own chances. And I think in the first round, he held his own. He, uh, he did well landing um, some shots. He ended up making uh, Burgos uh, bleed. Um, we saw some big overhand rats. Uh, we we saw uh, Quarantino doing well to defend against the takedown. He was willing to stand in the pocket and, and land some big shots. But then uh, Burgos's uh, boxing uh, skill showed up when he uh, when he got the the the, the quick punch that, that got the knockdown to one knee. Now I think uh, a lot of that is to do with the the octagon floor uh, and I'm sure we'll get into that over the next couple of rounds because it started to get worse and worse and worse uh, but yeah I thought the first round uh, Billy really was kind of proving the doubters wrong uh, coming out into the second round it was it was very very different fight uh, Burgos really started loading up with uh, with those big shots still had a couple of uh, of, of well-timed um, uh, overhand rats and uh, a good there was a good uh, leg kick which uh, which took uh, Quarantilo down. Um, but overall, in the in the second round, we could see that that Burgos was starting to really lean on his boxing skill. Uh, coming out for the third, and it looked like the uh, Quarantilo may have had drop foot. Um, unfortunately, I think he's had a recurring knee injury. Um, that he that he had, that I think it stopped him sat again sound from the UFC in the first place, and it was a few years after that that he was able to actually get into the UFC. But it's a kind of reoccurring uh, injury that he's had, and, and that really stunted him for the third round. Again, kind of like Chandler, heart of gold, and and really kind of showing the effort to work through that. I mean, we've seen fighters who, who have literally just give up after after getting dropped for in a, in a fight because. It's so hard to deal with, but he was um, Billy was able to, to keep fighting. 
but just took a hell of a lot of punishment in that third round. Um, Burgos uh, coming away with the unanimous 29-28 uh, victory. And a, uh, yeah, it were a fair decision. As well. Even though Billy were able to throw up some some stuff where it were, yeah, I think he had Burgos's leg in a single leg, and then he it were a, a, a trip. Uh, yeah, a trip, and then got tried to get him into like a, an ankle lock submission. But give it to both of them. There was a lot of a tripping, and, and people in mixed martial arts will know what I'm on about by that way you don't see it a lot in actual UFC you see it a lot in, in Muay Thai where you see a leg sweeping should I say tripping a lot of people might know it better than that uh, like so yeah that, that was this were a technical fight like but Billy after getting his con after getting his contract uh, from Dana White's contender series and then coming through the show this was his I think this was his proper test in the UFC, even though he's fought a, a couple of other times, I think it was like three or four times in the UFC, like the step up in level of not only just name value, but actual skill set, because Shane Burgos has been in there with, with, with some mm -hmm. good fighters, uh, and he's lost to some good fighters, which means that he's been put in there with challenges himself, so if you want to step up that ladder, you put yourself in a, in a challenge with uh, with uh, Shane Burgos, and and like you said, Burgos were just, uh, with his boxing, it was just a bit too much of him. I think with his strength-wise, uh, even though they're in the same weight class, I think when it comes to actually, with the way they build, I think the only reason they're in the same weight class is obviously Billy's a little bit, probably a little bit taller, built like slimmer but longer, and Burgos is just, he's just muscle. So it, after like the first round, he basically was just like a tank storming through. And Billy were just sort of weathering the storm, and with his absolute the heart of a lion, ends up getting it to a decision. And I thought, I think about halfway through round two, or like just at the end of it, I thought ref were going to stop it at some point. But I'm like, shit, letting this go another round. Fucking crack on. I'm excited. Yeah. But yeah, somewhat what they basically were promoting the fight on this stack card. It was a decent fight. It really, really was. And um, Burgos back in the win column. I think he's he's lost his last couple, something like that. I think he hasn't won in the UFC since what 2018, 2019, something like mm -hmm. that. So he definitely needed the win um, coming out of that. Um, going into the the middle of the card and the only actual finish of of the main card, uh, Frank Edgar versus uh, Mar uh, Marlon Vera, uh, Chico Vera. Uh, yeah, there was seems to be a hell of a lot of bad blood in, in this part. Um, Edgar started uh, pretty fresh shoots uh, for, for the takedown straight away. Uh, it, that gets stuffed, but Edgar's able to, to fire off quite a few uh, decent shots. He eventually does get that, that takedown on. He uh, almost gets himself into trouble with the takedown. Um, uh, Vera tries for the uh, guillotine but Edgar being wild and a veteran uh, is able to pop his, his head out um, then once it gets back to the feet Edgar's um, throwing some big shots uh, the one thing that Vera had which I thought would finish the fight was those up kicks Jesus Christ He, whenever um, Frankie was, was going for the takedown or trying to control on the ground uh, Vera threw up kicks like he was riding a bike and then a few of them landed clean uh, but obviously uh, Frank Edgar's got a, a chin of granite which will get tested later on in, in the fight but I thought that was a very bright first round for Frank Edgar um, 
I think um, Vera had a better second round, uh, uh, came out, um, still ended up was able to, to be took down pretty easily, uh, but he was able to, to get back on the, on his feet pretty quick, uh, landed a, a sneaky knee, um, certainly was was the more fresher in the second round. I think Edgar, uh, with his age, he's, he's starting to, um, maybe the gas tank doesn't last as long as it, as it, as it used to do. We see um, Vera landing with a with a jump knee, uh, which uh, kind of like shook the cobwebs of, of Frankie Edgar. Um, the knee was was a, a vital weapon for for Vera, especially in the second round. But one thing I didn't like was him uh, flipping off Frankie Edgar at the end of the second. I thought that was very very disrespectful. Uh, I think he has a um, he's got a reputation for being a bit of a uh, classless and a bit of a clown uh, and he certainly didn't do anything any favours to to change that um, third round though is when uh, um, Vera kind of like takes takes over this fight ends up uh, scoring the, the, the knockout win his, his work leading up to that though was, was really good really powerful uh, the front kicks were was digging into uh, Frankie Edgar uh, you could tell was, was really getting tired now uh, very heavily breathing and the finish comes with the the patented uh, Anderson Silva up kick um, this may be the the cleanest one that I've seen in a long long time though the toes right under the the, the chin of Frank Edgar Edgar sits straight down almost in slow motion uh, ref stops it Edgar is, is kind of like arguing with the ref saying that it shouldn't have been a stop uh, but he was he was out yeah, he couldn't yeah. even stand up afterwards uh, good victory for Marlon Vera. He needs to calm that uh, that kind of bad bad attitude um, off though. But yeah, great victory, absolutely great victory. Yeah, definitely a great victory for him, uh, especially a win over Frankie Edgar. Now Frankie Edgar, with him being a uh, forty-year-old and a veteran in the sport, he's one of them fighters now, especially at his age where. Fair enough, if you make a mistake and he has to work hard to capitalise, he's probably not gonna do it, but he's gonna he's gonna probably faint or he's gonna do something to show you like, oh I could have got you there. But then if you make a mistake that he definitely knows that he can capitalise on without using hardly any effort, he's gonna do it. And that's what Marvin uh, that's what Marvin Vera um had to try and like sort of watch out for in this fight. That's why he's he had to sort of switch up his angles and in a way, with the kicks, um, throwing them body kicks or leg kicks or whatever, Frankie Edgar's fast enough to where he can catch that and take you down. And he were able to to do that to obviously Vera. And as soon as the when they were on the ground, Frankie Edgar's got such good wrestling that he's top uh, top position and top pressure that he can just keep control, even. The, because in wrestling they always go like oh, it's a position over submission you hold on to your position and you, you keep trying to work and work and try and get into a into a better one and you can just see uh, Marlon Vera he was just somewhat trying to hold on and then kick off from the hips and then just absolutely flail his like, legs about just to try and get some distance away so we can uh, so we could stand up mm -hmm. but yeah uh, going into the going into that third round and as soon as he saw the opening. Now this is where, from a fighter's point of view, you can somewhat look at it and go, right, that's his weakness because off, just off the top of my head, and I even watched this yet, and I'm, I'm actually going to do this after we finish recording, but 
I think Frank Yeager's weakness is stuff that's coming from just beneath the arse out view because Brian Ortega knocked him out of the uppercut, he didn't see it. Marvin Vera just knocked him out with basically a front kick that he didn't see it. And a couple of other times that he's been hurt, it's always been from like the uppercut position where it comes from the front and he doesn't see it because yeah. as a wrestler, your, your hands are somewhat... Be, in a way, you're standing like square on. It's not sideways or all that, you're standing square on. So if something's coming from up, your hands basically just got dropped, both of them just dropped down. Like you're about to do a sprawl or something and before you know it, they've got through his guard and it, it, it happened to that. And obviously being 40 year old, it's pointless me saying that's what he needs to go and work on because but fucking 40 year old is going to tell me to fuck off. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, 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 he's a lightweight champion. Like, he's going to say to me, because you don't know fuck all what you're about. Um, but yeah, that's what, in my personal opinion, that's what the, the weakness is in his, in his last couple of fights. And it's just... Respect where respect is due. He were able to throughout his years. He's, he's been able to hold his own, and for forty years old, he still looks like he's gonna he's gonna carry on. But Marvin Vera, where do you in this bantamweight, especially a win like that, and with everything that's going on, I think he fight. You think he needs to fight Sugar or Mali again? Yeah, um, I think before. Um, this year where he's picked up a couple of wins in a row he was actually uh, he lost three in a row to uh, Song Yudong then Sugar O'Malley and then Jose Aldo so, so he was on the verge of probably getting cut um, so to come back and, and and do this to a, a legend and a former champion uh, it's, it's, it's certainly good going for him um, whether um, O'Malley uh, will accept that fight because, uh, as we all know, he's definitely uh, in it for the money rather than uh, climbing the ladder. He's made yeah. that abundantly clear, so we'll 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 see. But yeah, I'd like to see that fight uh, run back. I think. And this is and what the commentary did get it wrong. This is Trevor Whitman's second fight. Obviously, we had Justin Gaethje, then Marlon Vera. They didn't. They left him out. It's not all about fucking Usman, Rose and Justin. He's on their team and all. He were in his, he were in his corner. Hi, I'm, I'm also here. Yeah. Just four tall boys just tagging on at the end like, right? Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. So let's get into the co-main event, the first of the, the two title fights, uh, both rematches. 
Um, both went the distance and both were fucking brilliant fans. Um, Rose Thug Nana Yunez taking on um, uh, Wei Li Zhang. Um, this is, I mean, you could call this result controversial, to be fair. I mean, oof, um, yeah, it was a, a really, really good fight. Um, Rose obviously has that, that um, range advantage, so it was always the onus was always on Whaley's end to get in uh, the pocket and and, and um, make contact without trying to get hit too much by by um, and Rose. And I think for the first uh, few rounds, she she did really well at doing that, uh, and she also was good at getting the takedowns. I think she ended up with. Uh, maybe six takedowns all the way through the, the fight, which against someone uh, with the strength of Rose is very, very, um, something to be very, very proud of. Um, but for me, I think there may be a little bit of bias uh, in, in, in the referee, and I thought that Rose looked very nervy in the first round, um, wasn't, uh, wasn't throwing massive amounts of combinations, um, and I think the... The, the biggest factor, especially in the first few rounds, was how slippy the, the octagon floor was. Because yeah, that was weird, that. Like, it was that. So many fighters were slipping tonight. I could, that's it, one it, thing it I, was, I've seen before, but I've never seen throughout the full card, like they're in a fight to fight, at least one of the fighters slipping somewhere on the canvas. It, it was apparently it's to do with the, the amount of sponsors on the on the canvas. It's, take uh, them off then. It's, yeah, it's you don't like, want them on your fighter shorts and all that, you don't want it to look like NASCAR, but you don't mind your hat's going to look like NASCAR. It's that vinyl though, uh, and with the canvas being material, uh, the, the, the change in like, um, surfaces made a slip and, and I well, think Especially that, when vinyl gets fucking wet from sweating that yeah, And really I, I think Whaley Zhang is the biggest loser of that because she slipped in this fight quite a few times and we, how the, the 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 angle that the judges see it from if they see a shot being thrown at the same time it looks like a well, knockdown the, well not even that even he honestly I, I agree with what he's saying it does look like it does look like a knockdown but even the first time she slipped and um, it rose didn't even throw a punch uh, but it's just because the way that the way the camera were on rose and she was basically stood in front of Whaley Zhang and Whaley Zhang just basically went down. It looked like fucking Rose's fruit. Even the even the commentary were like, what the fuck did Rose just throw then? Yeah, exactly. And they had to like look back and they were like, oh, she didn't throw anything. She's literally just slipped. Yeah, um, I, I totally, totally agree. And I think uh, Whaley is the, the, the person who suffered the most from that because... Um, unfortunately, she wasn't able to, to finish Rose, and she needed to finish Rose. She needed to rubber stamp the fact that um, she was going in as a challenger. Uh, Rose was the defending champion. She, um, I thought the first couple of rounds, Rose was very, very nervous. Uh, you could tell she's been, uh, she's made a kind of mantra out of this, uh, I'm the best thing that everyone picked upon in the, in the last fight, to the point where... All she was doing was chanting it all the way through, like being introduced in the fight. I think that's more like the mental part mm -hmm. of her, obviously, because she's not like she's had the best times with trying to get the belt and stuff like that. And so I think that's more of just a case of saying that to yourself, getting yourself mentally psyched up to, you know, like it's not, it's not probably the like the worst thing in the world being the champion and being the best. No, absolutely not. Um, but going through through the fight, I think that for the th first, for me personally, I don't know if I will obviously cause his opinion in a, in a second, but for me, I thought that Whaley Zhang dominated for the first three rounds. 
Uh, I think that she w was went into a, an easy three-round lead. Uh, her shots were, were landing more. The takedowns were really, really effective. The issue was that um, she slipped so many times and, and Rose was able to capitalise on that uh, so many times. Um, going into in, to the fourth, I thought that Rose was... That's when she turned up the pace. I thought that uh, she started to to find her range a lot better. Uh, she was able to stuff more of the takedowns, get takedowns of her own, um, to get better control. And and um, the way she uh, she when she was took down, the way she was able to to roll with with the takedown and, and get into top position uh, and really kind of uh, score uh, points with the judges that way. Thought that she really started to blossom. Uh, pun intended and then the fifth round um, Carlos and I obviously we, we speak during the fight and um, he, he said exactly what I was thinking that when she went with a for a takedown very very uh, early on in the fight that was to, to score points to keep uh, Weili Zhang down and to win the fight because it, it, it's it's kind of the recency bias the, the, the judges will always kind of look at what's happening right now rather than comparing it to what's happened all the way through the fight. Um, and I think the way she kept uh, Weili Zhang down uh, and got in the last two rounds, I think she got like seven minutes of ground control uh, against someone with the, the wrestling skill of, of, of uh, Weili Zhang and the strength more than anything of Weili Zhang to be able to keep her down and keep her um, grounded and frustrated. That's testament to just how good of a fighter uh, Rosa Namajunas is, but saying all that, I think she can be count herself very, very lucky that she's walked away with this belt. I think the the partisan crowd uh, basically booing the hell out of uh, Weili Zhang. Um, that may have convinced the judges uh, more than anything because they obviously will react more to a, a shot from Rose than they will from 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 Whaley. But it was a great fight to watch. It will probably go down as one of the best stro uh, women's strawweight fights, and and this is in a in a division where we've had Yuana uh, and 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 Whaley Zhang. So this this is a brilliant brilliant fight. Two brilliant fighters. Um, and Rose keeps the title by the skin of her teeth. Definitely by the skin of the teeth. Even I was sat there watching this, thinking to myself, like, shit, this is so close. Like, I will find it hard to judge, and I'm not a proper judge. So I can only imagine how they found it and how mm -hmm. stressful it was. Because going after that fourth round, it's like, this is anyone's fucking fact. This is literally gone, uh, this has gone anywhere. Like, through when it's gone from striking, yeah, fair enough. You you had Rose who has like a, a perfect one-two-one hook and and leg kick, and then you've got Weili Zhang when Rose does go in and she stays in too quick and don't move out the way. She drops bombs on her because that's all she can do because mm -hmm. she ain't got the length to somewhat get the combinations off and close distance. So when Rose was when Rose's camp was saying to her, "Let her come to you," Weili Zhang, uh, her and her coaches already already knew. That that's what they were wanting for her to come to her because they don't want to go to Weili Zhang because they're going to get cracked with fucking power shots. So it, it were basically back and forth on the feet. It got into the later rounds when obviously fatigue and that started to set in. And we know Rose has got amazing stamina and she can go five rounds constantly if she needed to. 
Wei Li Zhang she carries a lot more muscle mass yeah. than than Rose Namajunas. So that that muscle mass is going to require more blood and more oxygen for her to just keep working, and her ATP levels aren't going to be able to replenish as fast as what she needs them to in order to keep up with the pace as what Rose is going to be able to put out to her. So as soon as it basically got on on the ground and Rose were able to just hold her down, and it's not even just about holding her down, it's putting the, putting the forearm on the neck, putting your chest into their, putting your head into their chest, pushing down on the hips, and you're making it harder for them to breathe, and every time they're, they're moving, they're having to work just to move a bit, so they're already having to exhale oxygen to basically move, and before you know it, you, you, they're already tired just from trying to move out of positions, just to try and find a way to stand up, so when they're on the feet, it makes it easier for you. But Wei Li Zhang is just an absolute animal. She were eating some of Rose's shots, and, and and again, I think Rose were a bit a bit silly, not not basically getting out in time because she got cracked a fair couple of times, and I'm like, shit, it's over here. She's, she's won it. Wei Li Zhang won it here. But yeah, this I can honestly say though, from. From basically the corners that they'll get, a, that they'll basically get like uh, Trevor Whitman, he'll get a, a credit from this. That's fair enough. He's he's our coach. Pat Barry, her boyfriend though, Jesus Christ, like not only is it the pressure that it's your girlfriend, the pressure that it's Rose Namajunas, who's a massive name, the pressure that it's a title fight, and the pressure that it's your girlfriend's title that she's defending, and then you're also a coach in a corner. That's fucking. That's a far things that's already running through his mind, yeah. and he's got a coach her, and he, he was giving perfect to that. Even when he was saying to her, like, breathe in, make sure you're the first, let her come to you in that lot. Don't save the kicks up until you know that they're going to land. That's good advice to a fighter that is in that position where it's all that pressure is around you, and then still having the time in that 30, 60 second break window to go, Trevor, you got all to say? And and that's a decent coach, yeah. So I think give him give him like props where like props is due. Yeah, I totally agree. And and, and that's not me kind of bagging on Rose. Uh, I absolutely think she's amazing. Um, the the one kind of flaw in her uh, MMA game, and it's not even anything to do with in the octagon. Is it's the wilting under the media pressure. Um, we've we've seen that before. Uh, but I'm glad that this rivalry. Uh, it's over. Oh, I don't think it's over. I think they're gonna. I think this will. These two will fight. The Wei Li Zhang one or two wins. I reckon. Yeah, two. but but it'll just be cool to see Rose uh, go up against. But who the fuck is she go up against? Who, yeah. who, who else does she? Who she fight? I mean, the, going through her last six fights, she fought Joanna, then Joanna. Then she fought Jessica Andrade, then Jessica Andrade, and then she's fought Whaley Zhang and Whaley Zhang. Who is she going to fight for the next two fights? Uh, Marina Rodriguez, maybe. I mean, I'm not going to lie, they're probably going to fucking look at Valentina versus Rose, probably, aren't they? Interesting, interesting. Um, we we shall certainly see, well, can, can uh, Valentina yeah. drop that weight, do you think? I reckon so. I reckon so. But, I reckon but then I well. think Valentina's in that that weird kind of middle position where she's she could be considered the main contender for the straw weight, but then she could also be considered the main contender for the bantam weight. And it all just depends on which she, which way she wants to go. I suppose. That's it. It's all thin air at the minute. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the main event and uh, the most amount of blood, bad blood. Um, 
Carl Bickhorrington coming out to Kurt Angle's music just pops that. me every single time. Yeah, the the fans were probably the most two-faced fans I've, I've ever heard because they started this fight saying fuck you Col- uh, Colby uh, at the end of the fight they were, they were chanting his name they absolutely <laughs> loved him and do you know what I don't blame him because he gave his absolute all in this fight. I think he's I think he's earned a lot of fans after this fight. Yeah, I mean I don't agree with his politics. I don't agree with him. Uh, uh, him and Joe Rogan taking horse tranquilizers to combat COVID. All that silly uh, bullshit. But he sells himself as a character, um, and he's and he's made himself. A bigger star than he would have well, just who else, who else in mixed martial arts has headlined Madison Square Garden to the theme tune of Kurt Angle and actually got the audience without participation to chant You Suck? They already mm-hmm. knew exactly what to do. Yeah. You're already a character there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he, he did the impossible in this fight and ended up taking down Kamara Usman. No, 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 no. It actually checked the records. It didn't actually class as a takedown. Not only because in what Daniel Cormier was saying, I agree with him. In wrestling, fair enough. If both knees are on the mat, they will class that as a takedown. But in mixed martial arts, it goes off actual position, control, and time. Okay. He weren't really in a good position to say you took him down. No, he I, had, I he had him back, and he, he didn't even have him down on the back for any seconds at all. It were on his knees for a split second before he were back up. So he's still got a 100% takedown uh, defence as Kamara Usman. Well, well, we'll see if that record sticks. We'll, we'll be, I'll be keeping my eyes closely on that record. But going through the, the first two rounds, um, I thought that this was going to end pretty early. Um, there's been a lot of talk about this being the, the new kind of generation of, of Usman, the, the kind of that uh, evolution uh, and he showed a hell of a lot of that in the first two rounds, landing big, big shots, um, scoring his, his his own ground game. But the he he obviously was able to to um, handle Colby Covington's shots in the first fight, um, and and knew there wasn't a, a big threat there in in terms of getting knocked out. So he was willing to to uh, definitely tra- stand and trade with him. Colby was was swinging very very wildly as he as he is known to do, uh, but um, Usman definitely controlled the first round. Uh, a lot of the same in the second round. Uh, mixed it up with uh, with kicks to the stomach, uh, body shots, uh, punches to the face to the point where Colby was was bleeding off his cheek. Uh, maybe going for another jawbreaker, which Colby is denying it actually happened, even though we've all seen the, the x-rays, Colby, where your jaw was... Zero. Yeah. Zero for 11 takedowns. Is that what they've got it for? Is that what the record says? Zero. Oh, fair play. I mean, fair play. He's very, very proud of that uh, no takedowns uh, record. Uh, but in the third round, Colby started coming back to laugh. Uh, landed some big shots. Um... um was was able to kind of worry Usman to the point where he he was almost kind of rocking Usman with with the shots. Uh, Usman landing some some decent ones of his own, but uh, Colby was connecting with more combinations, fighting a hell of a lot smarter. Uh, the fight uh, the 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 round ends when uh, Covington in in the dominant position, pushing uh, Usman up against the fence. Fourth round again. 
could easily say that went to, to Colby Covington again, uh, landing some big shots from the kickoff, um, took a few body kicks, and the, the, the kind of combinations that he was throwing though, uh, really landing like both sides of uh, Kamara Usman's uh, uh, temple, so he was landing some big heavy shots. Again, wobbled him in, in in this round, not to the point where you were worried that Usman was going down, but if uh, if Colby could have capitalised and landed some more combinations, he could have uh, he could have done some real damage in this fight. Uh, going into the end of the round, though, that's when it started getting really exciting, where they were both face to face squaring off uh, just as the as the round ended um just such an exciting fight uh fifth round uh that's when the the championship uh class shone through um usman knew he needed to kind of put this fight to bed uh, and and was was able to do so uh still took some big shots though uh he ended up um Connect, getting hit with a with a decent uppercut uh, that that uh, saw him his his head uh, rock back a little bit. Uh, again, we had that issue with the takedown. Is it a takedown? Is it not? At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because Usman was able to uh, control the fire, landed a um, a good head kick. Um, just the issue with a, with an airport. I think with about forty seconds left. And again, um, it, when Dan Mergnotta is involved in an airport, that motherfucker needs to learn to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> this is the second time and I can't... Who was it he was coaching before? His, his problem Sergei is... Sergei Spivak. Yeah, his problem is he don't want the fighters to say, I can't fucking see. Because yeah. he loves to see a scrap. He did exactly the same thing with, with Sergei Spivak saying, oh, you've only got so long of, of, the, of the fight to go. Are you sure you want to like not carry on? I can't really tell you what to say, but definitely don't say you can't say how you are. I'm going to get a doctor in. Shut, uh, basically, Dan, shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, but the fight restarts. We don't see much more action after that. Uh, a head kick uh, from Usman is blocked. Uh, but what we do see, and it's something that I was hoping we'd get after this fight, uh, the sign of mutual respect between the two. The actual real... Corby, that yeah. actual like if people were to actually go back seven to eight year and look up videos of Corby about this persona you'd see that that you see the real sort of Corby Covington sometimes vaguely on camera yeah and that after the fight straight away as soon as he squared as soon as he squared up and I thought hey okay I'm gonna be another scrap here they're gonna scrap again and then they and he was saying it's just character work it's making money which it is at the end he's learned from Conor McGregor that to make money, to be a big well, star, you don't necessarily well, need to only, win or lose fans. Not only that, character. And not only that, a lot of people, I think, I don't think a lot of people really know Dan Lambert's background. Like, fair enough, he were in mixed martial arts, but he's always been in professional wrestling when it comes to... He's in it now. Well, with yeah. With AEW. With AEW. He's, not, he's always been around, even when... Uh, WCW or something like that. Mm -hmm. Even when it was around back then, he, he had his hand in that part. So he he knows all about these gimmicks and personas and and storylines that that sort of get writ up. And it was Colby who basically got the idea from him when he said to Colby, "Listen, the UFC are going to cut you because you're a boring fighter. Because all you do is wrestle. You're a good wrestler. You're a brilliant wrestler." You win your fights, but they're not looking for someone who's going to decision. That's why they hate Tyrone Woodler. That's why they don't want him as champ. So you need to do something differently. Now, you're not just going to become a fucking world-class striker overnight. 
So what does if you've got Dan Lambert there, who's already got these resources behind him, you're going to do a good businessman, which Corby Covington is, mm -hmm. and you're going to go, Dan, what sort of persona can I get off? Well, you're a sort of white hillbilly guy. Put Maggot. a persona on like you're a backing Trump. Maggot. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, it worked perfectly for him. Absolutely yeah, it, perfectly. It was perfect timing that that came along for him, because like you said, he, uh, as a fighter, he's, he's elite level. Um... As, as a character, there was nothing there, and then Trump became president. He was able to kind of like hitch his uh, character to that bandwagon, and it's absolutely worked for him. He's he's become must see television, and it, and it's worked. So fair play to him for that, but also fair play to him uh, showing respect to Usman. The issue now for Usman is who the fuck is next? I think we all know who's next for that. But before we do say who's next for that, Kobe is. The one thing about Kobe in this fight is I am impressed with that fair enough, he still took a good couple of cracks. There was about six or seven times where he rocked Usman. Mm -hmm. He didn't get no knockdowns because he wasn't able to capitalise and actually after that third punch just drop a, another two or three, even if they weren't all, just, just keep that pressure going. But I don't think he, he his body could withstand it because the power that Usman's got behind his hands that as soon as Corby were hurting him and Usman landed that one shot, Corby straight away in his mind were like, fuck's sake, that hurt. Reset. And he was he was able to reset perfectly in, in this fight. He just wasn't able to capitalise on that movement. But Usman, working with, uh, obviously going, Henry, one of Henry Hoofer's students, teaching him striking from being a wrestler and then now working with Trevor Whitman and basically honing his striking skills and getting that jab which is like a piston we, we say it constantly when he farts but the one thing I think Trevor well I definitely know Trevor's going to work on because if I see it world class coaches are definitely going to see it and that's when Usman gets too excited and he, he physically just goes at a 90 degree angle and he's looking at the floor at this point and he's not even looking at his opponent and that's where Kobe was able to actually hit him a lot more where he was basically getting a bit over like a bit wild and they were doing like a ducking and diving like he thought it were Mike Tyson and he was just looking at the floor and Colby were able to just capitalise on that because if you're not looking at your opponent you're not knowing what your opponent's doing no. if you're not looking at shots you don't know what you're going to get hit with and that's what we're giving him trouble most majority of the times and that we're going into the later on into the rounds and there was one thing I saw on a, a, a group on River Facebook or Twitter of someone saying like after this fight Colby Covington's corners, shit as fuck, needs to get rid of them. What are you on about? No, they're not. Like, they're absolutely... He's, he, he left he left American top team to basically get a bit more like... A, a bit more of a personalised environment where it's just him and his coaches. And that works perfectly. Plus the issues he had with uh, Tyron Woodley. Oh, yeah, well, they, they, not all that. And the, and the handful of fucking hundreds of people who, who train uh, American top team, because it's absolutely massive, a.k.a. Dan, Lumber, Dan Lambert is a good businessman. Mm -hmm. That's why he's been around for fucking absolutely 20, 30 years doing different businesses. But, yeah, his team's absolutely perfect. And the, the apart from his team giving him the perfect advice and, and from the very first round in that first break saying to him, Colby, stick to the fucking game. We've got a game plan, stick to it. That already there is a world-class coach to basically have the bollocks to say to your father, stick to a game plan that we set in stuff. Don't just go off and do your own thing. Mm -hmm. Stick to the game plan. Yeah, fair enough, he didn't win the fight, but he's just took Kamara fucking Usman to decision without getting knocked out. Like, 
In the, the last two fucking opponents, Kamaru Usman, he's finished, and Colby was one of them. So he knows more than anyone how this fight could have possibly gone. He, he beat, um, he knocked out Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvidal, didn't he? Since Colby Covington. Oh shit, well yeah, that's three. And Colby's one of them, so he knows exactly basically how, how that fight could have gone down. And with his coaches basically sticking to that game plan, and to, I personally, I think that was his game plan. Try and get Usman to basically fucking blow his load in the first and second round, and then because Colby Covington is he's a cardio machine, his mm-hmm. endurance can last for days. Yeah, and I, I understand that after taking a bit of a beating, it's going to take it out here. But I, I I do personally believe that Colby and his team thought that he would have enough endurance after basically taking ten minutes of of what potentially could get called punishment, and then fifteen minutes turning that that fight around and basically putting all the pressure on Usman because we've seen it in a couple of fights before where Usman sort of started to fade off later on in the rounds but now with this new Usman 2.0 I don't think it's as uh, as easy as that the only other the only other thing that was working for him is the the weakness that Colby was able to capitalise on and that was from his coach's advice as Colby his head's going down he's looking at the floor mm-hmm. he's not looking at you that's your time to strap he started doing it and it worked for him. Yeah. Colby, what are you doing? After that fourth strike, you need to throw two more. You hurt him. You need to finish it off. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't do it. So is that shit coach or is that just a, a fighter's mentality of going, I've done what I can, I need to back off. Coaches are giving you the perfect... Coaches are giving you the advice what you need to do. But it's the fighter that needs to do it. Yeah. And Colby couldn't do that because the, the, the better man to that was the person who walked over the belt. And that's Usman. But... Colby certainly can look back at this fight and say, I improved on the first fight. There's a, there's a trilogy coming down the line somewhere. Yeah, definitely. I mean, somewhere. Usman's getting to the point where he's nearly cleaned out the division. Um, he's got one, he's got one I'd shot say, left. I'd say two. I would say two. I think there's someone who, who's been overlooked for quite a while in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Someone who has well, floated. Uh, in the welterweights, Vincente Luque, I think um, the the guy. Uh, I mean, he's beat Michael Kaiser and Tyron Woodley in his last two fights by submission. But the guy is uh, Hamza. We all know Hamza yeah. is the next guy to to take on us. Yeah, no, I didn't want to say it, but as soon as the yeah, as soon as the 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 media and that lot started asking him when they were literally doing the press conference, he had a stiffy underneath that podium. He didn't see it, but he, <laughs> his dick was rock solid. <laughs> <laughs> wow! But that fight will be absolutely brilliant, uh, and it'll be the biggest test for Hamza uh, that we've seen so far. I mean, he's he's easily handled all his opponents so far uh, to the point where he was carrying <laughs> Li Jiang Peng to to Dana to say, "Look, get off your fucking phone! To get tell him to get off his phone! Get off your phone! Who you think you are watching that for when you should be watching me kick fuck out of Jiang Li? What but, are you doing?" Yeah, I'm sure that'll be coming up very, very soon. But um, next week we have um, Max Holloway back in the main event against Yaya Rodriguez, trying to uh, force his way back into featherweight title contention. Um, ben Rothwell on his uh, on his resurgence in his career against Marco uh, Ruggiero de Lima and Felicia Spencer trying to get back in the uh, the wing column against Leah Letson. So that's a an interesting. Uh, 
uh, card as well so that'll be uh, what we'll be covering next week here on five rounds hopefully it'll uh, it'll line up so that Carlos can make three appearances in a row do a Hamzak Jimiev before he ends up getting COVID and being out for a year uh, but in less, than t in less than 19 days as well I think it's 21 days but that's all from us here at uh, five rounds for this week uh, Definitely check out the rest of the content from the amazing networks that we are part of here at Radio Techers, at Chairshot and of course at Visionaries Global Media. Follow Carlos here at Kirby underscore Carlos. I'm sure you're going to be seeing more uh, content from, from him in regards of uh, uh, fighting and, and training at, at Black Knights, especially with uh, with what's coming up. Follow me on Twitter at PodfatherMags, uh, where I'm now officially a legal lord. So uh, refer to me as Sir when you uh, when you message me. He's legit. I am Lord Max. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thank you all for listening, and that is the end. Adios, amigos. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.